LA is vast, vibrant, simultaneously stunning as well as challenging and confusing. At Together LA, this city is our passion. We know that loving LA well starts with listening. Pounding the pavement in search of the individuals invested in the flourishing of Los Angeles. These are the inspiring stories and real-life interviews with the men and women who work to bring the gospel to LA in their unique ways. Thanks for joining us as we bring you closer to the heart of LA, one story, one voice, and one neighborhood at a time. This is the Together LA Listening Tour. Well, hello, everyone. It's great to be back. And today, I actually have Larry Costa and Brandon Petrie. Larry is with City City LA, initiative part of Together LA. And as many of you guys know, Brandon is the president of Together LA. So, gentlemen, welcome. Good talking with you. Good to be with Thanks, you Tommy. today. Yep. Thanks, hey, Tommy. Brandon, just as a uh, reminder for everyone who is brand new watching this to the Together LA family, Talk about the five initiatives under Together LA. Yeah, we have five initiatives uh, in order to create what we consider as a gospel ecosystem in Los Angeles. And we think that you have to have at least these five areas, uh, perhaps more, but at least these five. The first would be the local church, and that's um, uh, enabling uh, and equipping the local church to do the, the work that God has called it to do, and, and that is to be the bride of Christ. Um, a second area is justice and mercy. We feel like there's thousands of organizations in Los Angeles that are doing that. We want to come alongside them and help them uh, in, in areas of justice and mercy. A third area is faith and work. And how does that, uh, how does that impact you on a daily basis? Most, most folks are not in full-time vocational ministry, but they, they're working nine to five jobs. And, and we want to equip them to, to bring Christ and light into their working situation. The last two um, uh, may have a little bit of a different name uh, for some folks, but we call one the academy, and that is any kind of, of formal training, uh, both uh, both formal and informal training theologically to train folks uh, to think uh, about ministry in the city of Los Angeles. And the last area is generations, and those are ministries that are, are geared towards age and stage, so children's ministry, youth ministry, college ministry, adult ministries, things like that, that are just geared towards those specific areas. City to City is an organization that we work with under the local church, and that's equipping church planters uh, to and training them to plant many more churches throughout the LA basin. Um, and Larry Acosta is our executive director and president of City to City LA, and it's yep. a joy to have him with us. Larry, tell me a little bit about City City LA. I, I, you know, you and I were talking about we were talking about incubator, church planting, all of that. Talk to me about City City LA. Yeah, so City to City LA has a, a basic three part process uh, where we're developing leaders uh, through a pipeline of of emerging indigenous leaders that are already here in Southern California. And so, in year one, we launch what we call a learning community and. We have right now six of those learning communities throughout the Southern California region where we gather leaders who are maybe one to three years away from planting a gospel-centered multi-ethnic church. We want to pour into them. We want to connect them with other leaders who are in a similar stage of their calling. We invest in them. We meet once a month. We call it peer mentoring and iron sharpening iron. They read a book a month related to spiritual formation, soul care, 
uh, mm. related to leadership development. And they live this out and, and process all this content monthly in community where they're vulnerable and um, where they feel built up and encouraged and valued. And so I find these uh, indigenous leaders, you know, some are in San Diego, some are in the Inland Empire, some are in Los Angeles, Long Beach, uh, Orange County. And throughout the region, we're trying to pour in and identify and then pour in and develop these leaders. And it's also part of our vetting process. We want to know who these leaders are, who are they in community? Uh, can they show up on time? Can they read a book a month? Can they be disciplined and connected? And so that's kind of our first phase of our process. And then our second phase is we take a subset of those learning community leaders and we invite them into the into our incubator process. Mm -hmm. And and that's city to city language for our church planting training school, if you will. And that's a two year process where mm -hmm. we walk with them, equip them. Uh, Tim Keller and their team uh, through the years have developed a really solid, robust curriculum for developing church planters, training and equipping church planters. And so we use that um, training curriculum to develop leaders over time where as in a big cohort called an incubator, they meet once a month, they're poured into, they go through um, this strategic um you know, uh, brick by brick, if you will, uh, training component to be equipped to plant a church. And our goal is for them to actually build their core team and launch a church in year one of that incubator. And then once they plant and launch, our, our third phase is we make micro grants to them to help them with some of the hard costs for launching yep, yep. Um, a, uh, a church here in the region. And so that's a um, an overview of uh, city to city strategy and what we're we've currently been doing here in this region. Yeah. Hey, Brandon, let me ask you a question for those. I mean, you and Larry talk church planting language. You guys are in that world. For those who are listening who don't really understand the church planting, why is planting churches so important? Why not expand the current churches that are there? Yeah, that's a great question. One that's asked often. And I think that's a twofold answer, Tommy. Uh, one, if you were just to look at it um, statistically, if you were to take the existing churches in Los Angeles and count up all the seats, you wouldn't have enough seats to fill up. Uh, I mean, there, there are not enough seats for the people in Los Angeles to, to, to even use those churches. Um, that, that's one small little reason. But the other, the other, well, maybe there's two other reasons. The other reason uh, that we plant churches is that nothing is more effective in evangelizing a city, the new church plants, not um, not rallies, not not uh, conferences, not, not not anything. In terms of the effective nature of bringing Christ in new relationships to new people, uh, church planting is far more effective than anything else. And then the last reason I would say is that um, new people move to new areas and are often excluded from existing older churches, and new churches enable them, uh, give them an avenue. To, to serve and to engage into, into leadership roles and into engaging in their community. Um, and as we change communities, as communities culturally change sociologically over time, you need new expressions of, of, uh, of churches in those areas. So church planting is that, that wonderful way in which God has, has knit together a community um, for, for generations and, and for generations to come. Got it. it 
Tommy, if I can just add to that as well, is um, we see in a place as diverse and complex as Southern California as well. When you think of Gen Z who's emerging and the latter half of millennials, um, we're seeing a a shift culturally. And many of um, these new emerging generations, they they want to see diversity and and an intentional uh, expression that looks more like their friend group. And so a multi-ethnic yeah. church by design would be more intriguing to many of, of them. And so in a place as diverse as Southern California, we're trying to see these new churches being planted, ethnic-led churches yeah. that have, uh, uh, they're going after diverse groups of of people. And, and even the shift, not just with, uh, so that the, the leadership team and the platform is is very diverse, but also uh, thinking just through the the need for these churches to be externally focused in the communities. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. The generations shifting, right? So uh, boomers and builders were content to be in a, a big box uh, experience, you know. And the generation that's that's emerging, they want to know their pastor's cell number. They want to know. Yeah. Who, who's uh, up there actually speaking and teaching. And so we're going to see a shift um, mm-hmm. to smaller smaller communities yep, yep, yep. Uh, so that people can feel known and valued and cared for. And so that's partly why the need. We still love and value existing pastors and churches. We're not trying to uh, compete, so to speak, with them. We're just realizing that we, as new the new generations emerge, we need um, we need these new church expressions to reach a de-churched and an unchurched yeah. um, community. Well, Larry, yeah, that was Larry, oh, go ahead. Yeah, Larry, Larry is exactly right in the practical nature of that, and and uh, the idea that that younger generations really want that connection to their pastor to their church community is is essential for us, um, and, and and that's kind of the the core of of why we do what we do. Yeah. I was going to ask Larry, in some sense, I think about the 90s. It was the seeker-sensitive service, yeah, the right. big mega church. Right. They want to be entertained. And it looks like from what you're seeing, this younger generation, more engagement with the community, a lot more diverse, but also smaller in terms of more smaller churches is, that are in those communities. Exactly. They want to know that they're known, that someone sees them. Do you see me? Do, do I matter? Um, and so that can only happen in circles, if you will, and that can only happen in, in often smaller contexts. So we're not saying that some of these newer uh, church plants won't grow to be yeah. sizable, but but we need to find ways to uh, create these smaller col- uh, contexts for engagement, relational engagement, so yeah. that known and and valued and loved and 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 feel like a, some measure of a family like experience because they're not going to be content to sit and watch the show uh like uh we boomers were content to do <laughs> yeah hey, yeah i'll add i'll add to that tommy too is that um that that idea of of seeker sensitive movement was an idea that you would come to the church and it would yeah. provide everything for you and the new generation says, no, 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 we want to be a missional church in which the church goes out and moves away. And so uh, we, we want to extend that that mercy and grace and, and common grace to those around us, not saying come in to find out what we have. So, Got it. Brandon, compared to your, you were a church planter originally from the Houston, Dallas area, then from that point on moved over to New York and was thinking about planting a church there. 
then you came over to plant a church in Pasadena. Is what you're what you learn in church planting different now than what you're teaching uh, c- compared to before? At the at the core, no, it's not. Um, and, and partly partly in that is that we um, we've always been connected to city to city, which originally was Redeemer Church Planting Center. So at the core, no, it's it, it's not different. But contextually, it's always different. And uh, and so one person may be able to plant a church in New York City and not be able to plant a church in L.A. Uh, one person may be able to plant a church in Houston or Dallas or Peoria, Illinois, um, and not in LA or New York or another city. You have to understand the context of it, and that does change over time. And so, some of the new things that we're we're experiencing and seeing um, is different. And then, and Larry alluded to this earlier, actually said it specifically, but having um, a multi-ethnic, uh, diverse understanding of church planting has changed over the last 20 years. Um, it was a bunch of white guys, denominational white guys talking about church planting and the need for it. Now it's it's much more inclusive of, of diversity and, and, and other traditions um, than it ever has been, which is exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, Larry, for you, are there certain neighborhoods in LA that you all are targeting in your incubator? Well, um, I would say that what we're doing is trying to find uh, leaders who are indigenous to various communities to plant in those same communities. And so that's what's a little bit different with uh, that, that I would say planting today. I think there was an initial movement, as Brandon said, with some uh, big hearted, you know, uh, Anglo uh, brothers and sisters who were planting and, and even transplanting from different parts of the country and, and coming into the region. Um, but I, I should, uh, well, I'd say we've shifted the strategy to say, let's find the indigenous people that are already there that feel called and passionate to reach the last, the lost and the least in their communities. And so uh, that's been our priority to find people who already live there, their kids go to school there. They already have a web of relationships and influence yeah. there. And so um we, we have guys, we're, we're starting with the urban core, but we also have people planting in the in the suburbs. But our priority because of the needs here in Southern California would, would be to plant, you know, so we have guys planting in Southgate and on the border of Southgate and Watts. We have guys planting in, in East LA and Lincoln Heights. Uh, so we, have, we also have people planting, like I said, in, in the uh, the northern part of our region, which is in Ventura County, yeah. as, as well as San Diego. So it's it's a pretty diverse uh, need here throughout Southern California. But we want to see uh, healthy gospel-centered churches planted throughout the region with a priority of being led by ethnic pastors who will lead these yeah. multi-ethnic movements. Yeah. Got it. And- and, and Tommy, uh, Larry has a background in urban youth ministry. And a lot of those folks have, have either gone on staff at churches or remained in the area. It takes 10 years minimum for folks who are living in LA to believe that the new person is actually going to stay around. So finding these folks who have invested year after year after year in their own community and then enabling them to plant churches uh, is crucial and 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 really helpful for those neighborhoods. And Larry Larry had that network to begin with, and is capitalizing on it now. And it, it's just a phenomenal uh, paradigm. It's really really good. 
With that said, though, Brendan, let me ask you a quick question then. Is, is there a certain personality that you're looking for? Is there a certain personality or a certain temperament in terms of church planting that you're looking for? I wouldn't say that it's temperament based. I would say um, that it, it stems from, again, indigenous leaders who are passionately called to reach people in their community. So let me give you a couple examples. So Benny Amaya, he's one of uh, the church planters in our uh, incubator currently. Well, um, before he was saved, he ran the streets and uh, let's just say um, he, he, uh, he he did some stuff on the streets that he's not proud of, and don't get him, uh, don't get him in too much trouble, right? And, but <laughs> he, uh, he, you know, he was radically changed by the gospel, and as he grew and developed and matured uh, in his walk with Jesus, he soon thereafter uh, felt a, a call to plant a church um, where he used to run those same streets. And so he, with the burden and, uh, and the understanding of the broken nature of folks in that community is going back with a, empowered by the word of God and a gospel centered focus to reach people like himself who didn't grow up going to church. And he's going to shape a church that will welcome people um, from, you know, from maybe a gang background or welcome people from um, some of those uh, challenges in that part of the city, but he's coming in there with a burden and a passion to reach people and to, and to help plant a church that he wished would have existed when he was running those streets uh, in an unhealthy way. Yeah. 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 You know, Tommy, um, Tommy, that uh, I, I would add to that and say that um, there, there are a couple things we do look for and Larry described that perfectly. There's a, uh, in, in anyone that we're, asking to plant a church, we're looking for a deep sense of gospel humility, that they, they're humble in and of themselves because the gospel has humbled them and, and shown them that nature. And then the second thing we, we look for is someone who's not really interested in building their own empire, but working uh, together with others for the sake of the kingdom. And, um, and that, that's hard to find. Uh, but but those, those two things are things that I look for right off the bat, you know, prove to be an effective leader. You got it. And Lear, I've heard you mention this phrase a couple of times. I know it, but some people may not. You mentioned indigenous. Talk about that. What is that? What does the word indigenous mean? Why is that so important? So it just means that there are people that are in, uh, grew up, were born in, um, have lived in those communities. And often they've been historically overlooked. Uh, sometimes when we go to what have been his, uh, communities of color, communities of poverty, um, we've often um, undervalued um, what the people there can actually do in their own community. And I'm just saying, we're saying that this is a new day and there are, um, there are people who have been changed by the gospel and they have a calling on their lives to give back and reach their own community. And so instead of having leaders come in from the outside who might take 10 years just to connect and earn trust as Brandon was sharing earlier. Uh, these are people that already have those relationships in their community, a burden for their community. They grew up going to those elementary schools. Mm -hmm. they, they, they grew up playing sports in that community or, um, you know, they, they know, you know, where the, 
the hot spots are in that neighborhood. They know what kids do in the parks in those communities, and and they want to go be a voice of hope in those same communities. So people already invested in that community, people that understand um, the good, bad, and the challenging in those communities, and they have a burden for those places. So that's we're, we're looking for those kind of folks to platform and empower them to lead gospel-centered movements right there in their own community. And Brandon, are these pastors, and this ties in actually with the Academy Initiative, are a lot of these pastors or people part of the incubators, are they from four-year MDivs, then are ready to launch a church? Are you seeing of them bivocational? A lot of them may not have seminary degrees. What types of guys are you seeing? Well, Larry, Larry probably has a better handle of the newest class, but, um, but no, most don't have a four-year seminary degree or a three-year seminary degree, a master's degree. Um, some have uh, college degrees, uh, but, um, but they need some extra training. But Larry can probably speak into that a little bit more. Yeah, we definitely have, um, we have of the 28 that are currently in our incubator, we probably have a fourth of them that have formal, formal training. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe a third of them have formal training, and that would be MA, MDiv, and one one guy's even in a PhD program. So there there are some that are formally trained, and then we have a a, a lion's share of them that have more of. Um, you know, they're kind of self-taught or been through a Bible Institute level of training through their uh, church or denomination. Um, and so some of them are taking online classes and, and, and growing in their theological training and understanding. And so it's definitely a, a broad spectrum, uh, but we, we definitely have a, a healthy mix, I would say, Tommy, of um folks. But here's what I what I would love our listening audience to see. Like, again, another shift in culture is that um, we're going to need um, the priesthood of all believers and that doctrine to be reclaimed with these emerging generations. And so um, people in the marketplace are going to need to be believer priests and have that training, equipping and mindset, um, as well as these pastors in, in some sense. They're planting churches. They're they're going to be predominantly bivocational. LA is a, is an expensive place to live, and and uh, those planting among the urban poor, um, uh, the tithes and offerings won't always um, be able to uh, support a pastor full time. And so, um, we need all types of people to be on mission here, yeah. from from people in the marketplace to pastors who are taking on that mantle of church planter and leading, uh, you know, uh, a, a church to the glory of God and planting new works to take the gospel to the streets and beyond. Yeah. And Tommy, you had mentioned, um, that's exactly right, Larry. And, and you had mentioned earlier, Tommy, about existing churches. Why aren't we revitalizing existing churches or, or working within those systems? And there's many reasons for that. But what I would say to the existing churches who are listening today is we need your help to look at these church planters as local missionaries. Larry's exactly right that a lot of them won't be able to take in enough tithes and offerings to support their salary or even the mission of the, of the, of the work. And so existing churches may not be equipped to actually birth out another daughter church or to plant churches in other areas, but they can support local church planters, local church planters um, and think of them as, as local missionaries. And so we, we need some existing churches to be uh, thinking and focused in that way as well. 
Brennan, if I could just piggyback on that, I, I love what uh, what you said. And so, uh, uh, yes, uh, pastors and leaders that may be listening, um, we would love for you to see some of our church planters, not all, but some of them. And back to your question, Tommy, about indigenous leaders, uh, I would love for you to see some of these guys as like a special forces kind of group, like they're uniquely qualified because of their background before the gospel wrecked them in some beautiful ways. Um, they have a deeper understanding of what the streets are and, and what it would take to uh, develop a gospel-centered church in those yeah. tough communities and tough neighborhoods. And so if you could come alongside some of them, I think, um, I think you could help accelerate their effectiveness as a young church plant, but they would be doing some very strategic work in the kingdom because they understand the streets and the, these churches are going to... Um, thrive sooner than later because of um, their background, because of their, uh, you know, they're indigenous to those same communities. And so anyway, we would love to forge some kind of partnership with um, some of our churches and pastors in the region that have a, a missional burden for some of these tough and hard to reach uh, parts of our city. Yeah. Yeah. And no, no, no one church can reach everybody. Right. So we need, we need them. So, okay. yeah. Which, in some sense, wouldn't you say both Larry and Brandon, in some sense, the pastors or a lot of these uh, church planters need to be more entrepreneurial. Larry, you mentioned that a lot of people can't depend on donations alone. So you may have to be bivocational, find different jobs, or your church has to create some sort of income stream in the community to create jobs and also fund the church as well, too. Absolutely. Yeah, we see a lot of our guys are are committed to being bivocational and, and plant. But we know that's... Uh, that's a tall order. That's a taxing challenge to uh, work a full-time job, lead Bible studies at night and on the weekends, uh, you know, plan your church service. So we want to walk closely with our planters and help help them uh, stay healthy and whole and, and uh, not lose their family in the process. So we know it's a tall order. We want to walk with them and, and help them succeed through this whole uh, part of their calling. And yeah, and Tommy, I would say part of my job is to help Larry make the bivocational pastor the exception, not the rule. Um, these guys who who may not be able to uh, draw in through tithes and offerings and full salary, but need to work full time on the church plant to get it going, especially in the first five to seven years. And we've got to equip them to be able to do that. And we haven't we haven't done a good job with that in the past. Um, and so that's part of my role to make sure that unless someone is specifically called to be bi bivocational. It's the exception, not the rule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brandon, you said this a couple of times, even in today's interview, no one pastor can do it alone. You've also talked about the importance of the academy and five initiatives. All of that for Together LA builds the gospel ecosystem. Mm -hmm. Talk to me what a gospel ecosystem is and what that means in LA. <laughs> you want to jump into that, uh, Larry? You want to take yeah, <laughs> I mean that's a that's a big uh, that's a big question, but I, I guess I'll just uh, start by saying you know when you take a city as diverse and complex as uh, Los Angeles is, um, again, no one pastor, no one church in post Christian times can do it all. So we want to come alongside these various key areas of ministry as. Together LA and City to City LA, and we want to help connect and thread uh, uh, um, a more comprehensive movement 
here in Southern California. So we want to build the trust of the local churches and pastors and, and do a better job at coming out of our silos and partnering together to advance a gospel-centered movement throughout Southern California. We also know that because of um, the challenges and poverty in many pockets throughout a city as complex as LA, we need to do more to link those doing justice and mercy. We need to connect the leaders and the ministries so, so that the right hand knows what the left hand is doing and we can get the, the, the resources out there to the people in need. And so we wanna help foster collaboration through those ministries focused on justice and mercy. You know, we wanna mo mobilize the laity that you heard me say a moment ago uh, about reclaiming the doctrine of the priesthood of all believers. Well, we know that in post-Christian times, Tommy, we know that we need, we need the people in the, in the pews to take their calling more seriously. To reach the succeeding generations, it's not going to just happen from the pulpit. It's not going to just be the pastor's voice because um, we we are seeing with the succeeding generations, we're, we're seeing people exit the church. And so we are going to need people in the marketplace to be the church, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to be those believer priests that are testifying of the goodness of God and his transforming work and the hope of the gospel. And then uh, again, working with the academy and some of our um, our training, theological training institutions so that we're getting people the education and equipping that they're gonna need to, to better, uh, their uh, um, to increase their effectiveness at, at reaching these post-Christian times. And then again, lastly, generations, as Brandon said earlier, you know, there's various ministries. We have a lot of people focused on on youth ministry, others focused in on campus ministry, others focused on men's or women's ministry, and et cetera, et cetera. We need to mobilize these movements. And so the, the collective whole of all those strata, all those various levels uh, of institutions and entities, that's that gospel ecosystem we're talking about. And when those when when there's some linkage there, when there's some collaboration there, we're gonna move the needle. Tommy, we believe we're going to move the needle and that the gospel will go forth more readily because there was some intentionality behind the scenes to connect the dots. Yeah, I think Larry is exactly right. It's that it's that idea of moving the needle and creating a better city. A better city is better for all of us. Um, and some folks may look at us and say, you know, I don't agree with what City to City LA does or even Together LA. I don't agree with what they what they stand for, but I can't imagine the city without them because they do such a good job of improving the city. And that's that Jeremiah 29 aspect, right? And so that ecosystem, if we can move that needle just a little bit to, to have a better, uh, a better environment for our kids to grow up in, that's not bad for, for, for Christians, right? That's a good thing for Christians and for everybody. Um, uh, a better understanding what the what the family does, uh, school systems, uh, justice and mercy aspects that are caring for our poor and our needy in a city like Los Angeles. When we begin to move that and tick that up and address those kinds of issues, it's better for everyone. But Christ is the center of it, and and that that creates that that ecosystem. And it's it's a long, large task, but but that's I think our ultimate calling. Yeah, yeah. Hey, last question as we wrap up. And actually, I want to ask you guys about differences. Both of you guys are about the same age. Both of you guys are have worked in the church and ministries, all of that stuff. But 
one person is Caucasian, the other person is Latino, as you've had to work together, how has culture played a role in terms of how you guys work together? What are some of the differences that you guys had to learn to work through and learn about each other to continue to work effectively with each other? Oh, I'm going to start because <laughs> Brennan, Brennan is white on the on the outside, but uh, but man, he that's my Latino dude right there, man. He uh, I went to a barbecue at his house recently, and homie threw down with some incredible Mexican food, and and no, but but in a, but in, in all seriousness, man, Brennan, uh, he he loves uh, the Latino community and beyond in the city, and and. Uh, from day one, from the moment I met him, like that, that was contagious and evident in his life. And so really in, in our relationship that there, there never really has been any kind of a barrier uh, like that. And, and so, and I'm, I'm, I guess that's not everyone's experience, but um, uh, Brannon is that uh, been a student of the culture and his relational warmth and ways, you know, helps break down any, any, barrier. So he, he's made it easy. That's been, uh, he and his family's heart, you know, just to, you know, love all people. So anyway, I, I just want to give props to Brandon. He's made it easy that way. And Brandon, well, actually, before you say anything, and the reason why I want to ask you this, Larry and Brandon, for your answer is when in my organization, the, one of the things that the board has said to me many times is you run your organization like an Asian family which is very, very <laughs> tight knit. Everyone watches out for each other. There's really no boundaries. And the board has said to me, if you want your organization to grow, you have to set up structures, evaluations, processes. You can't run it like an Asian family. I've had to learn that over time. Let me turn it over to you, Brandon. Well, I think my job is to, to put on and in place the leadership that God's called us to, to have and let them run. And Larry is a beast. Um, he is just, I mean, regardless of, of um, you know, color differences or anything like that, he is an effective leader, period. But the fact that um, he can reach into a Latino, African-American, brown, black, you name the community, uh, he can navigate those streams very well because of both his tenure uh, in the city and his effectiveness of ministry, but also just his character. And, um, and so I think my job as well as many, um, old white guys, I'm getting old now is just to, to use our resources to, uh, to encourage and equip, uh, those who are, who are called to lead in a new and different way. Um, and Larry's finding those leaders for us. So my job is just to, to support and stand back and, um, and love him. So. Got it very much. Well, Larry, uh, Brandon, thank you for so much for finding some time. And we want to highlight at least the church initiative, the church priorities under our five initiatives and city, city, LA exactly does that. So guys, thank you so much for finding some time. Thanks, Tommy. It's been great Thanks, to be Tommy. with you. Talk Thanks, soon. Tommy. Thanks, Larry. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Together LA listening tour to stay connected Make sure you subscribe to the Together LA channel, rate and review this episode, and make sure to share on your social media platforms. We would love for you to follow along with Together LA on Instagram, Facebook, and our website at www.togetherla.net. See you next time.